Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Laughter is a good thing. Uh, it's like getting laughing gas before you go to the dentist. Now you're going to get a root canal. All right? So prepare yourself. So I guess uh, I put out yesterday, you guys will never guess what I'm going to talk about today. The Father, right? So I know that that was hard for you guys to figure out. Identity is, goes in line with the Father. And um, <clears throat> if you know me at all, if you've been coming for a while, then you know this is my all-time favorite message next to being spirit-led, hearing the voice of God, Pentecost, baptism, Holy Spirit, all that. Um, but really, the Father's heart and understanding the Father's heart and what it means to be sons and daughters and not be an orphan. If I could only preach one message my whole life, it would be on identity. So many of you don't know who you are, but you think you know who you are, and you find your value based on what you do, not who you are. Uh, think about it. When you meet somebody, more often than not, within a, the first few minutes, we're asking them what they do, right? Now, yes, we want to know more about them, but we're so quick to size people up and, and put identity to what they do instead of who they are, right? So I try to find out about their family. I try to find out about their kids, their hobbies. I have to really work hard to not be so quick to say, so what do you do? right? Because I want to get to know them for who they are. Now, the challenge is, is in the church, so many people come to me and they come here with all these giftings and all these, what I would call rap sheets of ministry, history of all the things that they've done or they've been great at. And they love this church and they're new to this church and they come and they say, I've done all these other things. And that's great. I love that. God sends people here that have training and equipping. They've already been smoothed out they're smooth stones from the quarry somewhere else. And God brings them here to be built in. And not, there's no formula for, every, for people, right? It's patterns. And so I can't say to everybody here, in 90 days, you'll be able to be used at this church. Or in 30 days. Or I don't know the answer to that. Instead, what we try to do is we try to make sure that you know who you are and that your value is not based on what you do, but rather who you are. The reason why is that if you find value in what you do, and then suddenly you're not doing that anymore, who are you? This is the problem with titles and positions in the church, right? Instead, you need to think natures. I want to know your nature. And if you don't know that you're a daughter, and I put you in a position, and you find your value based on your work, then what happens if you don't do very good at that job, or I shift you, move you, or replace you? You get hurt, you get angry, you get jaded. That's why you need to know who you are more than anything, but in order to know who you are, you've got to know who he is. Now, this is my favorite message because I was abandoned when I was a child. I have a multimillionaire blood father who lives in Beverly Hills, California, same name as me. His name's David Bendett. My name's David Bendett. We just have a different middle name. When I was born to a 24-year-old Greek mother, uh, my blood father got her pregnant, stuck around halfway for about a year and then hightailed it to California. So I was raised by a single mom until I was about six and then a stepfather came into my life 
who in many ways showed me the spirit of adoption but, and, and taught me a lot about the Lord, but I didn't really know the ways of God because we didn't pray, we didn't go to church. There was no mission, vision, passion, callings, destinies, identity, learning the Bible, none of that when I was a kid. And so because of abandonment and neglect that was in my own heart from, from an, a, a loss of a blood father and not really knowing the heavenly father, I spun out like so many of us in this sanctuary and those watching online have spun out. I ran to the arms of others. I ran to find comfort in the world, whether that was drugs or alcohol. And I had this root of neglect and abandonment inside of me that I didn't even know was there. Now, neglect and abandonment causes you to always look for affirmation, love, and acceptance elsewhere. Really, what it causes you to do is feel like you have to perform so that you can be good enough so that you can be accepted. And if you're remotely attractive, you'll use your looks, and the world will use your looks to suck you right in and to use you up and spit you out because you look good, you're handsome, you're attractive, or you're gifted, or you're talented. Maybe it's not looks, maybe it's gifts, whatever it is. This is a dysfunctional cycle in the world that only the Father's love can break. Only the Father's love can break it because we have all of this spirit of this age that's trying to identify you and lead you in a way that's contrary to God's design. That's why you have to know God's design. God says, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking about you. He's always thinking about you. And so for me, I was constantly living like an orphan. And that orphan mentality caused me to find success in this world. And I've always been pretty successful at anything that I've did, done. The problem is, is I was in turmoil on the inside. See, God defines success differently as the world defines success. In God's eyes, success or prosperity means to be mentally put together. Right? If you're insane in the membrane and have a million dollars, you're just a crazy person with a lot of money right? Because money will never bring you peace and happiness. Money can help you answer a lot of things and do a lot of things, but true joy and true success comes first in your identity of who you are as a son or a daughter. And what I want to get everyone in this sanctuary to know or to realize is, do you know what it means to be a son or a daughter or not? And how you live, how you think, how you process, how you spin out, how you have peace or rest, all those are identifiers of being confident of who you are, right? So when you don't know who you are, you will run to the world to find comfort, to find love, to find success. You'll run to Facebook and pictures and posts and gym and bodies and how you look. And all of that stuff can often be designed to get attention and affirmation and love and acceptance, which is why for me, me, because of my history, I have to be very careful of how much time I spend on Facebook. Because it, it can do this thing where you get into comparison or you get sucked into this worldly mindset from news to sales pitches to what other people are doing to pictures to all kinds of stuff. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it or I don't do it, but I'm saying I have to be very careful by what I do and why I do it and how I do it. Because I know who I am, and I know I'm a son, and I know I'm battling a spirit of this age that wants to make me like it. That's why in Romans 12, it says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's this world pattern that wants to get me to conform to it. But I have a transformation 
That's happened. That's just happening in you, Renee. It's been beautiful to watch and see. It's authentic. And I like it. You've changed so much. For Ashley, you've changed so much. So many of you, Glory, you're changing right now. I've been watching. I saw your post. I loved it. But the thing is, is that we have to make sure that we are truly stepping into our identity and not conforming to the way that the world wants you to conform to. And the only way that happens is an identity. Who are you and who is he? I pray that prayer every day. I've been a Christian now for 29 years. 29 years. And every day I pray this prayer. Lord, who are you and who am I? In fact, this topic that I'm talking about today, I've taught on it so much and I feel like I know about this much of it. Like a fingernail's worth of God's love. I feel like I know so little of God's love and I want to know more. So I'm desperate to know more every single day. So when you are an orphan or when you don't know who you are in your identity, you'll always be trying to become something that you're not or what the world tells you that you are. I want to know what God says about you. I'm not going to try to conform you to my pattern. I don't have a preconceived idea. I don't care what your gifts are, your money is, your talents are, your looks, none of that. Your past, none of it. Instead, when I look at you, I think to myself, God, how do you see that person and what is it that you desire for them? And the greatest desire is that you become a son or a daughter. If you're not a son or a daughter, you will always be trying to measure up and that's religion at its finest. I went to church today. Ah, yeah. See, for me, some of you will relate to this and some of you are going through this or some of you need to go through what I'm about to tell you. For me, it's been an undoing and an unwiring so that God could rewire. It's getting rid of all the religious junk. It's getting rid of all the lies, all the failure, all the, the warped ideas about the gospel and who God really is as a father and who you are called to be as a son or a daughter. So God has to undo all this stuff. Like in my first five years as a Christian, you wouldn't have liked me. I would have been a terrible pastor. Maybe the first 10 years, honestly, or even longer. In fact, I became so much better when I married Amber because I was a mess. I had a list. I had all these religious things. And she's like, you better burn that list because I'm coming into your life. And I'm not going to fit any of that. So she messed me up real good. She messed me up real good. But I was so religious. I was like ultra religious. And see, here's the problem. If you live like that with an orphan mentality and not knowing who you are and valued based on what you do, you'll always look at other people the same way. And you become a Christian Pharisee. And you're looking down and that, this is why so many broken people keep coming back here. Because it's a safe place of love and process and health. It's like, man, you are messed up. I know it, you know it. Let's not lie. And let's just run to the altar and worship. I mean, it's like, it's like, man, let's just get to the feet of the Father, right? And so, but see, uh, from a Pharisaical standpoint, it'd be like, man, you've been coming here for a year, and you are so, what is the matter with you? Keep doing the same thing. You're so jacked up. When are you ever going to get it? You don't seem to listen to any of my messages. You keep running the altar and doing the same thing. You are just, and then I start looking down on you instead of constantly propelling you. Because I had to make a decision a long time ago, would I rather have a bunch of broken, hurting, messed up people here or everybody that's good and in the right place? Because the truth is, is even the people that think they're good, that's even worse. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, just call it out. Man, I am jacked up. I need help. I need Jesus. And I'm a mess. That's why I love you, Philip. I love you no matter what you go through. God loves you no matter what you go through. You're not based on what you do or you don't do. You're based on the fact that you're a son, period. End of story. You're a son no matter what you do or don't do. You can't get away. You can't run. You can't hide. God loves you no matter what you face. And your testimony and your story, you're going to write books. You're going to preach the gospel. And you are going to flame on like a mighty, mighty torch. That's what's going to happen, bro. See, the father's love changes everything. Think of a child in a room, terrified, afraid of the dark. As soon as dad walks in the room, you're safe. Some of you have been terrified, living a life of fear, worry. But God's perfect love drives all that out. You just need the father's love in your heart. And here's the thing, is if you don't have the father's love, you'll be mad at everybody else when they don't reach out to you. You ever go through this thing when you really are struggling or you fail or you make mistakes or you sin and then you just close up, shut down and don't call anyone and isolate anybody. I know none of y'all do that. (laughs) Maybe all y'all do that. Nobody called me today. We have our moments. I told my wife last night, I'm having a moment. She's like, what's going on with you? I said, I don't know. I'm having a moment. Just don't talk to me. She's like, well, all right then. So I rolled, we rolled over and went to bed. But you know what? It forces me to run to the Lord because I have to understand that not everybody's going to be there and I have to have a dad and I have to have a spirit, the Holy Spirit, and I have to have a, a, a friend and a brother and a bridegroom. Each of the triune natures of God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son has a purpose. But most of us don't know that. And if you were abused or neglected or abandoned by a father, there's this synaptic disconnect on the father's love. See, I I do a lot of things with my children that my dad never taught me in no manual except the Bible could teach me in the Father's love. I have people telling me all the time, I don't know how to be a good dad. I had a jacked up dad. Or I didn't have a dad. You know what I say? Well, now you got a dad that you never had and he can teach you the ways to father in a way that your earthly dad could never teach you. Right? Like when I just want to, man, I just want to spank my son's Bottom sometimes, we're like, man, I'm a spindle. So, nope, you're going to have mercy just like I have it on you. And it doesn't mean I don't, we don't discipline him. Sometimes we think he needs a lot more discipline, but we love him to no end, and we, there's a, a better way. And sometimes those consequences don't mean a spanking. Sometimes they do. But what it always means is a conversation where we sit down and we have a conversation, and now we have to learn not to respond out of rage or anger or frustration but out of love, because that's the way the Father is. But see, if you were raised differently, which so many of us were, we tend to act the way that we were raised. But God, when he comes into your life as a father, teaches you a better way. There's a better way. Everybody say, there's a better way. But the thing is, is you got to catch it. I can teach it to you, and I'm going to show you a bunch of great scriptures. You know, Amber's like, what are you going to talk about today? I said, I'm going to talk about the Father. She says, were you going to prepare? I'm like, I've been preparing my whole life for this message. I know this message. The thing is, I don't have any notes. I just have scriptures for this. And I wanted it that way. You know why? Because I wanted to float around in my pool last night and listen to music and not go worry about what I was going to preach. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to preach because it's the message of who I am. And we have an awesome pool. We have an awesome pool. I mean, it is like, (laughs) we went all out on our pool. 
And I'm going to just tell you right now, it's because all the money that I make as a pastor. I'm telling you. She's like, man, just show me your pool, pastor. You'll see how much money you make. Some of you are like, yeah, he must have a fat daddy pool hot tub, waterfall, slides. Just go get on my wife's Instagram. You'll see my pool. Okay? It's a stock tank, eight-foot stock tank pool, just so that you know. It's what you use for the horses and the cattle, and we're floating around. I've become a redneck, a flower buff redneck. I don't know what to tell you, right? Now, if there's real rednecks here, you would call me a Gucci redneck. I'm more like a Gucci redneck. The thing with the Father's love is you become like him. Everybody gets the Father's heart, male or female, because that's his nature. In him is both natures. But notice he identifies himself primarily as a father. Do you know why? Because we have so many fatherlessness issues in America today, all over the world. Now, I would be amiss. I have my own story, and I could talk about my own story nonstop. I went from performance mentality in the world, state champion wrestler, conference champion, Paul Walter. And even when I was in the world, I was the best drug dealer you ever saw. I made a ton of money. Now, I was so good, I eventually got busted and went to prison, right? I was really a bad criminal. In fact, there's no such thing as a good criminal, all right? I don't care how good you think you were. But the point is, is that I always sought to achieve and be very successful in anything that I did, and God brought me to my end so that I could now learn what it means to have real success in him. But the problem is, Oscar, until you got the real love of the Father, you would have been a religious Pharisee because that's how you were originally raised. So you had to get rocked by the Father's love so you could shift to love like him. Now when I look at your wife and I look at the both of you and your marriage and your kids, I see the Father's love accurately being portrayed. But only, only the Father could do that. Because I haven't had a lot of one-on-one meetings with you. Maybe not one. You can't... Say your last pastor taught it to you. It was the Father's heart inside of you that transformed you to love the way that he loves. Same for you, Vanessa. And so you start to see the embodiment of the Father by the way that people love and speak and have an understanding, by the way we discipline our children, by the way we love our spouses. And so fatherlessness is a problem. I thought that I would just take a minute. This isn't the best news honestly, but it's important news because fatherlessness in this nation is the, probably the number one thing that we are out to resolve. It'll resolve crime, prostitution, drug addiction, human trafficking, poverty, the list goes on. If I were to tell you what's the number one mission of Rock City, It's to transform this community by raising up strong families and becoming a strong family. Let's say this together. Say, the Father Father is looking looking for a family. family. Why? Because in a world of broken families that we came from or outside of this church, when people come in, they need to find family. So the best thing that you can do is to become family. And if you say, well, I don't have a father in my life, the best thing you could do is father or mother someone else. 
Because when you make that your ambition, then God puts his nature in you to love somebody else. And next thing you know, one comes along for you. That's how God works. So I'll give you some terrible, horrible news. Aren't you excited about that? <laughs> but it's, it's bad news, but it is what it is. And so in order to really understand the good news, the good news becomes really great in the midst of bad news. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. That was me. Seven out of every 10 youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities, including detention. Oscar knows this well because he ministers in the juvenile detention center here. Seven out of 10 youth that are, that are in correctional facilities, youth, come from a fatherless home. Seven out of 10 39% of students in the United States from the first grade to their senior year of high school don't have a father at home. 39%. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. What happens when a fatherless child's in poverty? We start dealing drugs or crime. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father living in their lives. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. 24.7 million. This equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. So if we have 100 children that come on a Sunday morning, one out of three don't have a dad, so 33% don't have access to their biological father. But here's the great news for Catherine. Her dad's not present, but her heavenly father is. I'm here. Y'all are here. And she, God came to the rescue at 16 and snatched her up so that she wouldn't go find value anywhere else. But now she's so in love with the heavenly father that now when she goes off to college and God takes her wherever God takes her, she's rooted and grounded in the father's love. So she doesn't have to run to the arms of another. She's gifted. She's beautiful. She's talented. And she's set apart, yeah. consecrated, for the purpose of the Lord until God brings her husband for her. Amen. And I can look over here, so many of you. And if you're a single mom, I said this last service, I'll say it again. If you're a single mom or single, I'm praying that God will bring you an on-fire spouse. Do not stop compromising because they're hot. This is a, so, I'm get on this. I, you know how I get with this kind of stuff. Oh man, she's hot. And they go to church. Just because they go to church means nothing. Even if it's at Rock City, folks. Oh, man. They were lifting their hands in worship. <laughs> you know why they were lifting their hands? Because they're so jacked up. Which means stay away. That's what that means. Come on, y'all. God's got something better for you. Why don't you start to dream and imagine a home that's filled with the Father's love, that's not filled with rules and policies and regulations and abuse and abandonment and neglect and dysfunction and drugs and alcohol. And We're called to be separate, different, separate, the ecclesia, the separated ones, which means you're different. Everybody say, I'm different.
girls who live in a fatherless home have a 100% higher risk of suffering from obesity than girls who have their father present. Teen girls from fatherless homes are four times more likely to become mothers before the age of 20. Welcome to New Oasis County. When we had our first child, Cadence, pastors were in the hospital, Bay Area. They're like, before you leave, you got to go to a parenting class. I'm like, I should teach the parenting class. <laughs> I'm like, but you know what? We were like, okay, we'll go check it out. I was like, might as well get the full experience. I mean, I'm pastoring in the city. I want to see what's going on. We walk in. The room is filled with teenagers with babies, kids having kids. Where are they going to learn to be a dad? MTV? Oh, it's not a thing anymore? I'm so out, out of date. I'm, I'm out of touch now. Didn't they used to have the show, The Teen Moms or something? Oh, we've moved on from that? Oh, it's on Netflix now? Wow, wow. Netflix. Oh, man. We're ha I think the second service is becoming way better than the first service lately. So somebody's got to teach them, and the thing is, is people need to learn by example, but they also need to get the na a nature, right? Because I can preach till I'm blue in the face, and I've preached so many messages for so many years, some of my best messages. But the thing is, is if you don't catch it and get the nature inside of you, you'll always be hearing something that you never become. And that requires the Father's love and a desire to know who you are as a son and a daughter. See, if I can get Christians to understand that I'm now, it's more than just a Christ follower or being like Christ. We want that, and that's important, but it's also really becoming like the Father and a son and a daughter, right? Because I'm more than just a Christian, I'm a son. Yes, I'm following Christ, but I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm going to teach you all this. I'm going to show you my favorite scriptures on the Father's love and the Father's heart today. You guys good with that? Yes. Can, I, can, can we just have some understanding? And the best thing that I want for you is to ask yourself, do I really know what it means to be a son or a daughter, and do I really know the Father's love? And if you don't, let me tell you what happened when I got that revelation for my life. I was sitting in a, met, in a, a, a service at a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma in about 2001 or two. And there was a guy that came through. His name was Jack Frost. Really, that was his name, Jack Frost. He's passed away, but he taught on the Father's love incredibly well. And he would, believe it or not, he was mentored by a guy named Jack Winter. Yeah, really, this is really true. I know it's kind of funny, but it's true. So Jack Frost teaches this whole thing about the Father's love. And it was right about the time that I started listening to Jason Upton. And he had an album that came out called Dying Star and then uh, another album, Remember. Uh, if you haven't listened to those early Jason Upton albums, I would encourage I was listening to Dying Star on the way here. Those early Jason Upton albums, 2001, 2002, there was this whole season in the body of Christ about the Father's love, right? I started weeping in a message like this, and 
there's so much more to it, but I start weeping and I literally cried for like three hours. Three hours. I came up to the front, the church just let me be and I bawled my eyes out because what I realized was I was living my life as an orphan and I didn't really know what the Father's love looked like. And I had been rejected, neglected and abandoned and so now I was always trying to measure up. Here's a great way to, de- to decipher if that's you today. You never feel like you're doing enough or you're good enough. Probably all of us wrestle with this feeling of I'm never doing enough. I don't feel like I'm loving my kids enough, my wife enough, praying enough, reading my Bible enough, worshiping enough, uh, taking care of this church enough, the shopping center, my coffee shop. And what ha- happens is, is I get very overwhelmed and I start to, my peace gets robbed and then I just feel like I'm not good enough. And then what happens is I shut down and I close off and my natural tendency is to want to run to something else to bring me comfort and pleasure. Does any of you feel that way ever? (laughs) See, this is all the more reason why we need the Father's love because we're all desperate and it's an everyday thing. It's called die daily. It's called dependency daily. It's called daily bread. Even when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, say, our, let your will be done on earth. I see my heart as an earth. And so I'm constantly crying out for the Father's love to comfort me, strengthen me, and remind me who I am and to make me like him. You know, when I discipline my kids, even though I may want to discipline them in one way, now I have mercy because God's had mercy on me. And now many times we're sitting down having conversations face to face and I have to tell them, look at me in the eye, son, because I don't want them to get into the same shame and, con- shame and condemnation that I have often felt when I'm falling short. And if you don't know that from the Father, guess what? You'll pass it right on to your kids. That's why you need a transformation of the Father's love. And you got to know how much the Father loves you. See, people ask me a lot of times, like, how do you pastor the church? Or how do you grow the church? Or how do you deal with dysfunction in the church? And I say, well, how do you raise your family? Because the love and the passion and the, compa- the, the compassion that I have for my kids is the way that the Lord feels about me, but even better. Even better. Look at Psalm 103. We'll, we'll look at Psalm 103, verse 12 real quick. As far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. I don't have it up there, but if you go back three verses to verse nine, it says the father doesn't deal with us according to our transgressions or reward us according to our iniquity. But see, if you were raised in a home where you were always given what you deserve, you'll always look at God as I'm getting what I deserve. I deserve this. Punish me. And he's like, I'm not going to punish you, but you sit there and punish yourself, don't you? We're masters at punishing ourselves because we have a skewed view of how much the Father loves us. Now, I want to pause on this for a second. I'm going to go back to what I said. I know about a finger's nail's worth of what I'm telling you. And many times what I'm teaching you, I don't feel. That's why I have to learn to not lean on my feelings and my emotions. My feelings and emotions can be such an incredible liar. I'm a high feeler, asked my wife. I'm super sensitive. And so I can tend to be moved by my feelings and my emotions when I have to realize they're lying to me. And when I don't feel it or I don't feel good or I feel 
all the things that I'm teaching you today, I have to go back to the word. Let's look at the next verse, Psalm 103, verse 13. I'm going to show you a bunch of scriptures today for you to lean on full time. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Now, this isn't like Mr. T, I pity the fool, (laughs) right? And I'm going to beat you up. This word pity, if you look it up in the Hebrew, literally means to have incredible amounts of grace, mercy, compassion, love. It's never ending. It's, that's always who he is. See, you got to get a right understanding about sin. Sin sells you into slavery. God buys you out always. In fact, he's already bought you out. Let's say that he bought me out. The price has been paid. So when we get baptized, we get baptized into him. When we get born again, we get born again into him. Now he becomes the body of sin that's hung on the cross. Now all I got to do is look to the cross, not continue to carry the weight and the shame and the lies and the deception and the condemnation. It's that kind of freedom or understanding that sets you free that says, I don't ever want to go back to the way that I was. And if you ever do, even for a moment, you run back to the Father because you realize that is a pig trough. He is a palace of promise and hope and a treasure chest of love. So stop beating yourself up. I have been a Christian for 28 years, and I've made a lot of mistakes, failures, and shortcomings. And God keeps loving me and keeps calling me back. He says, you're a son. You're not identified by what you just did. You're identified by who I say you are. Now, sometimes it's harder to believe it than it is to say it. And there's times that I feel like, man, I'm such a failure and I have my moments like I just talked about. But you know what I do in those moments is I recognize and realize the way that I feel, what I love about this scripture, go back one verse. What I love about this scripture is that all you have to do is, and if you're singing, you don't have kids, you don't understand this yet, but you'll receive a promotion when you get children in your life to understand more of the father's heart. As a father pities his children, the way that you feel, let's look at it in the Passion Translation. I really like the way the Passion Translation says this. The Passion Translation basically says, go to the next verse. The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that's but a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. This is but a sample. Now, he's even better than the way that you feel about kids. But you got to see the way that he feels about you. And you have to understand that he loves you to no end. He would do anything for you. When I think about my kids, there's not one thing that I own or possess that I don't want them to have. I have a lot of guns. I want him to have it all if he wants. I have diamonds that my mom left me that were from my yaya. That's grandmother in Greek, by the way. I want my kids to have all my diamonds. Oh, my car? Take it. Seriously. There's, the point is, is, I don't want them to have it before the right time, but there's not one thing I own or possess that I don't want them to have. Nothing. Ultimately, I want them to have it all. That's the way the Heavenly Father feels about you. I'm going to show it to you more in Scripture. Let's look at Psalm chapter uh, 68, verse 5 and 6. A father to the fatherless. Any of you fatherless? I was. Guess what? You're not fatherless anymore. You got a daddy. He cares about you. He loves you. Will he discipline you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I discipline my kids, I hope it's for life, but more often than not, it's for the moment. When God disciplines his children, it's for a lifetime. Yes. 
when you get it, you get it. You're like, oh, man, never be the same. Right? And sometimes you go back and you're like, wait a minute. That's not who I am anymore. Pick yourself up. Run back to the arms of the Father. He's always standing with open arms. There's never a time that God's going like this. Man, you are such a screw up. You knew better than that. Why are you doing that? Man, I'm just so disappointed in you. You've really let me down. No. He's standing like this. Now, we fall short, we transgress, we trespass. But if you feel bad about it, and if you hate it, God's working in your life. Rejoice. I have a hate. There's not anything contrary to God's design that I don't hate. I hate sin. I hate it when I make mistakes. But you know what? That hatred produces a conviction that causes me to run back to him. As a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God and his holy habitation. Next verse. God sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound in a prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So anybody outside of the family of God that's not born of God, born again, is living in a dry land. And I'm not looking at money, stuff, material things, jobs, positions. None of that makes me think that they're living in prosperity. This word prosperity, again, is mentally put together with the sound mind, with the peace and the love of God in your heart. You can have all the money, all the stuff, all the lovers, all the things, and it all will leave you empty. The problem is, is when you're in your 20s, it's hard for you to see it. But when you're in your 50s or your 60s and the beauty has, is now fleeting and you're not the hottest, coolest thing around, right? See it now. See it now. This is the contrast. That's why we need family. This is the core essence of the fathers looking for a family. Because when you were broken and without a family, and when you come into the kingdom of God, now you find a family. And you enter, you were once in bondage, now you're in prosperity. The challenge is, is the family needs to be the people sitting next to you. The family needs to be not always the main guy, right? It's decentralized leadership. So Jesus didn't meet with everybody. He met with a few people, but he invested most of his time into the 12. So you gotta find the people that love Jesus, find the people that care about you, and stick with those people. Stick with them. So he brings those that are bound into prosperity, and that's so many of us here. We were once bound up, now we're prosperous. And what do I mean by prosperous? You're healthy now. Or you're getting healthy, right? Right, Samira? You're getting healthy. You're smiling. You're, you're, you're growing. Your countenance looks great. You're not the person that you once were anymore. I don't care what the devil says or the world says. Same for you. Same for you. God transforms us to look and sound and act and love like he does. And when we make mistakes and we fall short, we have a God of love that welcomes us back every time. You just got to repent and say, man, I'm sorry, Lord. He's like, I know you are. Come on. Oh, Lord, I hate it. You know, sometimes it comes down to the morning time. Like, thank God it's morning. Where's my mercy card? I'm grabbing on my... Every morning, mercy's, his mercy's new. It's like, man, I wake up. Ah, oh, 
Woo! The weeping endured for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Every morning is mercy's new. Because it's the love of the Father. You know, I threw in that other one. He knows that we're frail. We're from the dust. He knows all that stuff. He knows we can't do it without him. We just got to know it and become more desperate. Luke eleven eleven. I recently taught him, so I want to touch on this again. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Here's the thing about this, is many of us are living as if we're getting stones, snakes, and scorpions. But yet we're asking for bread, eggs, and fish, and we have this conflict on the inside. It's like, God, I need you so desperately, but the snakes won't stop biting me. And God's like, I've, I have crushed those snakes. I'm giving you bread, eggs, and fish. But there's this inner turmoil that goes on constantly that says, man, I'm living in a world of stones, scorpions, and snakes. And God's like, yeah, that's not who you are anymore. Just ask of me. You know what I love about this scripture? It says, keep going to the next verse. If you then being evil, let's just pause right there. Let's just pause. If you then being evil, say, oh, I'm not evil. What are you talking about? I'm not evil because, man, I work really hard. I provide for my family. And I, they got a lot of good gifts. I mean, new trucks, Jeeps, Cowboys tickets. This is really the world. It may sound funny in here, but see, men identify success and being good dads based on what they provide. And he's saying, if you being evil, still give them good gifts. Notice this, how much more? Let's all say this, how much more? Da-da-da-ba, woo, yeah, how much more? He's the dad of all dads. I wanted to actually title this message the father of fathers. Because he's not even just a good dad. He's the best dad. And he's saying, you think you got it going on? Oh, man, you got... I love giving my kids stuff. My family, it runs in my family gift giving. My mom would go nowhere without a gift. And my aunts are the same way. They don't ever go to a house without a gift. My mom, everywhere she went, if she met somebody she liked, she'd go home, make them jewelry, and give it to them. Anybody, everybody, gift giving. And what you have to understand is, look, compared to God's love, I'm evil. I'm just, this is a great revelation for you to get because self-righteousness will mess you up. So, man, I'm good. I'm a good dad. Work 68, 70 hours a week, provide for my family. 30 years later, you missed all the good stuff, the mornings, the evenings, the suppers, the dinners, the breakfast, gone all the time. And I understand sometimes you have to do that. I'm not putting shame on anybody here. Sometimes you got to go work really hard, and that means some people have to go into the oil field for a season, make the money, and save it up. But God's design was never for you to be gone and to work all the time, ever. I had to tell Oscar that many, many, many years ago, and now he's actively present, and we believed for God together that he would bring him back to Corpus. He's been through some really good training, and now God's 
position them to be an even better father and to be present here at the church and to fulfill the call of God on their lives. Right? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I get that. But see, it's a hard issue because here's what happens. A lot of people stay stuck and say, well, it's just what I got to do. And then they define that as being a great dad. People tell me all the time, man, he's a good, he's a good man. I'm like, what makes him a good man? What makes a man a good man? That's a good question. It's something we should all be asking. All the men in this room should be asking ourselves. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just saying, like, you know what makes a man a good man? Fathering your kids, loving your spouse. Would you rather make $150,000 a year and work 70, 80 hours a week or make $60,000 a year and work 40 hours a week or less? You say, well, I'd like to work 40 hours a week and make $150,000 a year. I will pray and believe for that with you too. You know what? We're moving in the right direction. See, my thing is, is at what cost? At what cost? Because we find happiness in things. All right, it's getting awfully quiet in this Methodist church. (laughs) Now listen, there's not a formula. There's not a formula. What I want more than anything is that you're spirit-led and you get God's design and God's plan. I know the thoughts I think towards you to give you a hope and a future. So God's always thinking hope and future, not failure, falling short, blowing it up. Just ask Nathan. Nathan used to work. He never came to church on Sunday morning until he met me. Isn't that right? (laughs) Worked all the time. And he even said, I said, hey, you guys should come to Roxy. He said, oh man, I own a restaurant. I got to work every Sunday, which he did at the time. So God took the restaurant away. Isn't that right? I just summed, up, summed it all up right there for you. And you know what? His marriage, his wife, his kids, he's got more joy than I've seen. I don't, God's been faithful. They've walked through fires, and God's shown up every time. We walk by faith. But see, some of us, man, we don't want that faith walk. Am I right? We don't want that faith walk. Oh, man, God, just make it easy. Give me an easy button. Lord, I need an easy button. God says, yeah, I know you're going to fight. Like right now, my wife and I, we're fighting for a little girl. And I haven't overly publicly shared it, but you've seen me get up here and passionate and talk about it. I'm commending that mountain to get to the sea and pray for us. We're facing a situation. Well, what that situation is, is we have been fighting to adopt a little girl. And I'm asking this church to pray. God told me that w- this would be one through prayer. So everywhere I go, will you pray? Will you pray for it? Will you pray for us? Will you? I don't care who you are. If you pray in any way, will you pray? Will you pray? Will you pray? God says, you're going to win this through prayer. So shikarabasa. We call that little girl into the Bendet family right now in Jesus' name. Right? That's exactly right. And any obstacle in the way, get out of the way. Get out of the way. And you know what? In the natural, it's against all odds. But in the spirit. And some days I'm like, man, I'm so angry. And then some days I'm like, man, what ifs? And the, the if and buts are creeping in. You know what? That's why we have the love of the Father. And that's why we have faith. 
And I know some of you want to be the most mightiest super spiritual Christians on the world. And then when you're not, you're like caving. Well, why don't you learn a lesson from me? Some days I feel like <clears throat> in the natural, it's not going to happen. I feel like, man, just I can't do it anymore. You ever feel like that? Maybe some of you feel like that right now. That's why you need, we need the Father's love. Because I realize, you know what? He loves me and he's my daddy and he loves that girl even more than I do. And it's a lordship trust issue. And you know what? This doesn't just apply to my situation. This is your job. This is your future. This is your calling. This is your family. This is your friends. This is your education. This is every area of your life. All of us are walking by faith. And you all have a unique story. And in some cases, you're going to suffer. And you're going to go through hardships. And as much as I'd love to deliver you out, God says, no, it's in the suffering that you learn to reign with me. That you actually will learn what it means to really be sons. But I want an easy button. Can somebody please get me an easy button for when I preach? I, I really need one to just... And then I'll probably just put it out in the street and run over it. That's what I'm probably going to do. Just crush the easy button. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, I just love this so much. This is out of the mouth of Jesus. You think you're good? <laughs> I'm so much better. If you then, being evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children... There's two versions say two different things. One says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Another version says, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask? Long time ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing on a tarmac and a jet pulled up. And my adopt, the father that basically adopted me got out and said, I brought you massive amounts of gifts. And the plane, the jet was filled with all kinds of presents. Never told this dream before, but I just remembered it right now. Anytime I have a dream with that dad, Ed Moore, it's always a picture of the Heavenly Father because he was the spirit of adoption. And God said, I have so many gifts for you, you have no idea how much I want to lavish on you. But we settle in our mind with poverty mentalities. And poverty mentality comes from fatherlessness. I just read you the statistic. It's the same in the spirit. If you can learn to be content at $30,000, $50,000 a year, God says, oh, guess what? When you're faithful with the little, God will give you so much more. Don't settle for less. It's the Father's good pleasure. It's the riches. No eyes see, no ears heard what God has in store, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. So he's, a, he's so much more. Now, you know I'm not going to ever do a Father's Day without preaching on Romans 8, 14 through 17. This is my life scripture right here. So let's look at it. Verse 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit, these are the true sons of God. I see this two ways. One way is I know I'm a son because, or you're a daughter because the Holy Spirit's always telling me. And then I also know because I'm following after the Holy Spirit at all times. I'm being spirit led. Sons and daughters are led by the Spirit. I've often said this. I believe the greatest form of Christian maturity, if I, and I ask people this, what do you think the greatest form of Christian maturity is? 
What people often tell me is, I don't sin. It's to sin or not to sin. No. And I even have people tell me it's how you love, and that is a very good answer. But what I would say is the highest form of Christian maturity is to be spirit-led at all times. Because if I'm spirit-led at all times, I'll see you the way God sees you. I'll love the way God loves. I have patience, kindness, gentleness, temperance. I won't react. I won't be angry. It's really genuinely this scripture. This is identity. It's at all times. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus said, it's it's expedient that I leave y'all. I got to go. Because if I don't go, you won't get my spirit. And my spirit will teach you and remind you of everything I've ever said. You know, here's, I've said this before, say it again, and I'm just on a roll. You guys all right? Do any of you ever feel like you forgot all the scriptures you've ever learned? Come on, guys, don't get all religious on me. Do any of you feel like, man, I have no idea how to pray. I have no idea what to say. And I, right in this moment, can't remember anything. Pull the scripture back up. Holy Spirit. I taught it to you, I think, in my last message. When you're weak and you don't know what to say and you feel like you're losing your mind, Lord, I don't even know what to say or how to pray, but Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray in the Spirit and ask you to Pray for me and intercede on my behalf with groanings that cannot. And sometimes I don't know anything but, oh, oh, and I start to just cry out. I have this, it sounds weird to you now. Thank God it's private in the car when it happens. But it's this, it's this, it's this throne room thing. I don't know. It's, it's a spiritual mystery that comes out of sight of me. Because God knows you're weak and you're frail and so you desperately need him too. But see, the funny thing is, is none of y'all would ever think that I ever get that way because I'm the pastor. No, you have to understand, I'm as desperate and as in need as you are. And I know a lot of scripture, but if the Holy Spirit's not reminding me, all I am is a whitewashed tombstone with a bunch of Bible. God says, yeah, in this moment, you're not going to remember any of that because I want you to cry out to me. (coughs) It's odd. But see, if you're religious, you won't like this kind of teaching. God has a way sometimes of bringing you to the end of yourself. And it's the more you think you know, Paul actually said this, the more I know or think I know, the less I know. I actually know nothing. And so sometimes God's like, man, you know nothing. So cry out. I'm going to show you this. Led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. My greatest desire for Rock City Church is identity, sons and daughters, confidently knowing the Father's love. Not perfection and sinless, but righteousness in the cross and letting God do his work through you and you blooming and blossoming and coming out of the old way into the new you. Nothing makes me happier. Nothing makes me happier. When I see you flame on and lay the drugs down and the pipe down and the crack down and the sleeping around and the bars and the clubs, when I see you come out all that stuff and grow and bloom and blossom and flame on, and you're radiant and beautiful, and you start to become more modest in the way you live and love and even dress. It's like, it blesses me. Because you're not of the world. Say, I want to be in God's armies. You look just like the world that you're fighting against. That's not who you are anymore. And I'm not a God cop, and I'm not out to police that. You got to get that inside of you. So when I see the Lord start working in you, I get really happy. 
People say, what can I do for you? Get healthy. You want to make me happy? Stop doing the things that you used to do. And if you do, do do what you used to do. Run back to the Lord. That makes me happy too. Because you don't give up. Don't stop coming. Please don't stop coming. I know it can be messy sometimes. But I don't want to make this an institution. It's not a business. This is not a business. This is not a business. It's not corporate Rock City. And I, don't have, I could go read the manuals. If, if, would you all like me to go read how to grow a church manual and go to the next conference and then start hiring all kinds of positions and putting people in place to take care of you and call you every day and hold your hand every day and then uh, just corporate make this church a business? No, I don't want to do that. No, please, God, no. And it's like, man, well, you know what? I can't call you all the time, but you know what? My brother here can, and she can, and she can, and she can, and he can, and she can, and she can. And most all y'all are friends on Facebook. Say, send out a message, hey, I need some prayer. And stop posting all your laundry on Facebook. You're Christians. The world is, you're surrounded by a cloud of witness. If you're posting all your junk on Facebook, it's because you're lacking friendships and you need somebody to empathize and sympathize with you. And by the way, Facebook is a liberal platform owned by liberals that are anti-Christian. Now, God can still use it. Same with Twitter, same with Instagram, same with YouTube. But just mark my words, mark my words. It's just a matter of time. As long as you behave they'll let you stay on it. But the minute you start misbehaving, you're out. So it's just a matter of time. I don't even care. That's why I've already stopped putting my faith and trust in it, and I'm very minimal on it. All right, then. Back to the scripture, and then we're going to pray. So verse 15, when you get born again, you receive something. You've received something. Okay? You've given your life to the Lord, 100%. I was there the day you did it, and I know it was authentic. Yeah. I don't care what you've done or what you feel or what you think right now. I don't care because I know who you are, yeah. and I know what I see inside of you. Now, look at this. Look at this verse up here. You didn't receive a spirit of bondage again. Notice the word again. And we got Christians full of fear. Stop walking in fear. You've, you came here to get out of that. You are now, no more fear. Worried about me and the pastors in the church and identified by your gift. Now you're truly stepped into who you are. And you're discovering it so you don't stop. You, this is my life scripture. Really. Make this your life scripture. When you come to Christ, I'm not in the bondage of fear. So if you have fear... Call it what it is. It was bondage, and I've been pulled out of it. And here's the funny thing. We put ourselves into bondage more than the world puts ourselves into bondage. And then it makes us in more bondage. the worst kind of bondage. It's self-inflicted bondage that Jesus died on the cross for. That's why you need the cross every day. I need it as much as you need it. So now I didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Perfect love deals with all fear. So ask yourself in every situation, am I afraid or am I trusting in God's perfect love? Like with this little girl in this situation, there's all kinds of fears. 
There's, there's fears of lies, fears of deception, fears of what if it doesn't happen. There's all kinds of potential fears every day I have to, we have to stand against. But guess what? God didn't call me to fear. He called me to perfect love. And he called me to be a son. I received the spirit of adoption by whom I cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, Father means that everything the dad has, my dad has, you get. But there needs to be a crying out. Now, my crying out may sound like, God, I'm crying out to you, Lord. Abba, Father, Daddy, I need help. Rescue me. And in some cases, it may be silent internally, and I'm crying out, and I'm not saying a word. God hears both. I just happen to be much more of a vocal guy. I'm a loud vocal guy. And sometimes, some of you need to get loud and vocal. It's what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And that's why I say, who cares what other people think and say? Why are you worried about raising your hands? Why are you worried about sometimes jumping? Why are you worried about sometimes letting out a shout? <coughs> Get myself together here. Jeez. Getting a little too wild. I don't know and I don't really care. You know what I care about? Is that you have a genuine cry inside of you. Now here's why this scripture is so important. Because I've now been rescued, I can cry out. How often should you cry out? Once a week? I'm crying out all the time, guys. Man, I'm crying out. And now, see, this Abba Father is different than earthly father. He's better than an earthly dad. Earthly dads can be, can be good in a sense, but he's even better. So now, every blessing that's in him, we get. And I'm going to show it to you. Look at the next verse. So you received a new spirit. So spirit himself bears witness with our spirit of who you are. So the question is, who I am I? The Holy Spirit's bearing witness with me of who I am. You're a daughter now. You're a daughter. You're a daughter. Daughter, daughter, son, son. And the Holy Spirit's confirming it. It's bearing witness. Right? And I shared, I shared this recently. It's the word symmetry. It's symmetrical, right? Next verse. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Yeah. Suffering's hard, but suffering has a purpose. And suffering makes me more like him if I respond properly to it. And I'm an heir. Everybody say, I'm an heir. I'm an heir. So I had somebody come up to me after last service and really broken. Dad had passed away, left an inheritance, and the brothers and sisters all took the inheritance and the land and the property, and he was left with nothing. Crying. This message really stirred him up, but I had to remind him, where's mine? I have a multimillionaire blood father that wants nothing to do with me, just so that you know right now. I've never had a relationship with my real earthly blood father, ever. He doesn't call me, ever. I met him one time, He's never reached back out to me. No emails, nothing. I've sent pictures of my family and his grandkids multiple times, no response. That's, who, that's me. And guess what? I'm flamed on. Because I learned early on where my inheritance lies. So you, he may not leave me a dime. If I was close to him and I'm his firstborn and he's Jewish, he should be leaving me everything. 
My mom would tell me all the time, get the money, get the money, get the money, my mom would tell me. Get the money. <coughs> and I probably could have. I got an inheritance. You got an inheritance. It doesn't matter that your dad's not in your life because guess why? Or not enough or whatever it is. He's restoring that. The point is, is you have an inheritance. And if your dad fails you and doesn't call you and he's not around or you don't even know who he is or who, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You have an inheritance. And it's, if he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and everything belongs to him and nothing's created without him and everything's being sustained by his breath, then what in the world are you worried about? Maybe we've got our priorities and objectives and our eyesight misaligned. Maybe we need to trust more instead of trying harder. This is so my message. Just ask my wife. She often thinks, how in the world did I make it as far as I did in life? I tell her I graduated with honors from college. She says, I don't know how in the world you did that. <laughs> we laugh about it. She's like, because she's very structured, very black and white, very justice-driven, very principle-driven in so many ways. And I'm all over the place half the time forgetting things, not remembering things. And she's told, like, I told, you told me that 10 times. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. She's like, I told you that five times. I'm like, well, I don't remember. Tell it to me the sixth time. She's like, I don't know how you made it so far in life. Do you understand? <laughs> See, wives, you're not alone. And men, you're not alone. Woo! See, God wants us to be glorified together. You're a joint heir, which means that now I'm a co-heir. It means every benefit Christ got, I got. He's more like a brother in many ways, in the sense that I'm a son, he's a son, he got benefits. Now, if I look to him, I get those benefits too. I'm going to leave you with this last scripture. Man, you're going to love this. And then I'm going to pray for you. Ephesians chapter 3. You're going to like this, okay? Blessed be the God and of our Lord Jesus Christ who has done what? Who blessed us? Everybody say the Father. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And when you're in Christ, the Father blesses you with every spiritual blessing. Now, we don't know what all those are, right? I wish I could tell you, but he puts it in you. And you discover it in a lifetime. That's why you never give up. You hear me? Never give up. So I know you want a matrix download night one. But God says, hey, guess what? You're going to get a whole lifetime of growth. Don't give up. Proud of you for coming back to church. Proud of you for being here. Second time. And you know what? You were destined for greatness in the kingdom of God. You just didn't know who you were. So we live like orphans. But now you're a daughter. And you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And you just don't know it yet. But you're going to get it. Look at the next verse. Just as he chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Everybody say, he chose me. And he said to be holy, go back, to be holy and blameless before him in what? It all comes back to love. It all comes back to love. <clears throat> in fact, the, the, Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And he was all in the context of how you love. You can love better. You can be loved better. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. Next verse. For any of you that struggle with predestination, I'm going to help you with it. God always knew that you would be a son and a daughter. And he predestined us. Everybody's got a predestination to become sons and daughters, but not everybody will answer that call. But God's always, he dreamed before he even created the world of a family. That's what this means. I'll paraphrase it for you. When I hovered over the face of the deep, I was dreaming of a family. It all comes back to family. When the world comes in here, they find a family. When they find you, Renee, they find a daughter and they find family. God predestined us to the adoption. So adoption means that I was once an orphan, but now I'm in the family. Now I'm adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us what? You're accepted. You are accepted. Not rejected. But many of us don't feel accepted. In fact, many of us deserve rejection. But he doesn't give you what you deserve. That's the good news of the gospel. Okay? He may discipline you. Woo! You know the hardest discipline for me is conviction. Man, I feel when I just just genuinely feel bad about something. And God says, I love you, I accept you. I've forgiven you. That's the Lord working in your life. All right? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.